top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show where we break down all the soccer action from England and Italy. I'm your host, Matt. I'm here with my co-host, Dom. Dom, how are you? Um, I'm great, man. Just uh, enjoyed a little uh, Cacio e Pepe for the haters. And, wow. Uh, ooh, you know, just, uh, just vibing right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hate my life tomorrow, but... I'm vibing for I'm vibing for the time being. Getting into the peninsular mood, I can see. I had falafel for dinner. Uh, Ooh. I'm not sure. I, I guess that would be Mediterranean or Middle Eastern. I don't know what exact demographic that fits into. What uh, what geographic area that is? Um, I actually have that plan for later this week. Well, not falafel, but I have the same kind of cuisine plan later on this week. I'm gonna be making some uh, chicken shawarma. Wow. So. I'm excited for that one. Uh, there's a, there's lots of action to get to, some really important games, and finally some movement uh, at the top of the tables in both these respective leagues. And we're going to start with Italy, Napoli 2, Atalanta 3. This was definitely one of the marquee games coming into the weekend. It did not disappoint. Anytime these teams are involved uh, in a game, it very often is a, a good watch. Uh, definitely worth your time. Uh, this was uh, this was yet another good one. Uh, obviously, the difficult thing for Napoli is they're missing a lot of starters in this game. It's a, it's a rotated side due to injury and some suspension issues. Um, I think the, the first thing that I wanted to talk about was that Demi Ralgol, uh just charges forward as a center back. And, you know, we talked last week about how Duvan Zapata just has like five or six goals a year <laughs> where he somehow finishes it into the very top panel of the net. Demi Ral clearly taking some shooting lessons from him because he does exactly the same just uh wrong foots the keeper they have absolutely no chance at it as it just goes into the roof of the net <laughs> Gasparini said it's one of his favorite things watching defenders give goals and score them uh, he says the reason that he uh it's it's the the way that he's always envisioned his team playing um that's and, hilarious and damn was it a good one Dom uh what did you think of this game um the result is what I hoped for um, you know, I was, I was really hoping for an Atalanta win. Um, when I tuned in, I didn't watch much of the game, but I watched the, I watched the game pretty early and I was happy to see Atalanta up early as well. I, I was streaming actually at the time I was playing my weekend league and I turned this on and Atalanta was up and I was very happy. And then I had to go run some errands or something. So I turned it off, did not know that Napoli pulled it back, but then I checked back at the end of the game. I saw that they won. Um, and like you said, 
Uh, Napoli got caught wrong-footed just because of squad rotations. You know, they don't have their starting striker up top. Uh, Osimhen should be back from injury pretty soon. Um, well, the, the issue but, is is that with this facial fracture, by the time he, he could be eligible to, to return, it's uh, he might be going away for AFCON duties. So yeah, that was yeah. the issue with this injury is that maybe normally it's only a month, but uh, because of the African Cup of Nations, he's obviously going to, to Nigeria, uh, which is a, a pretty strong squad, a team that expects to probably go a little bit further than their group stage in that competition. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. It could really extend his absence. Uh, same thing, Koulibaly is not in the lineup. They're running a different formation. They ran a three back instead of their normal four back. So, you know, it's it, 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 was, a, it was a very odd game for Napoli. And, and just a odd, like, I, I guess just based off of, you know, their personnel, they, uh, uh, Spalletti had to go with this kind of, you know, tactic because it, it's never, Atalanta isn't a team you want to experiment against with tactics you know what i mean uh it's not like you know they got a salernitano or, or venezia or spezia where they can they can test these things out so you know napoli kind of had their backs against the wall from the first minute yeah and uh Spalletti said that there was no excuse just because they were rotating players it, it doesn't mean that uh they shouldn't be putting in a good performance yeah. he said the the idea behind the 3-4-3 as well as you wanted to match atalanta obviously known for playing very wide uh, playing into those those half spaces that we know about so much. And, you know, I think Atalanta have been really impressive. I think that's Napoli, obviously, you know, I, I think given the context of the game, a draw would have been great for them, uh, considering all, all the players that they were missing. And they were depending on a lot of, you know, Juan Jesus is like a fourth choice, fifth choice center back at this point. Like the fact that you're playing him in such a meaningful game is, is difficult. I think Napoli would have been fine with a draw, and I think it would have been better for their, their fortunes. But for Atalanta, this is huge because obviously it, it kind of caps off what has been a really good resurgence from them. Uh, they had a difficult start to the season. I can remember Gasparini talking about how part of that was because they had so many guys at the Euros. Uh, they obviously had some pretty uh, serious injuries, uh, you know, occur as well. Uh, Robin Gosens, uh, Hadbor, you know, two guys that play that wing back position so well for them. Um, Pasalic, you know, he wasn't as much of a factor in this game, but he's been huge for them over the last few weeks. He's been scoring and getting involved so much. They've been on a resurgence. They're, they're unbeaten now in, in their last 10 games. Uh, their last loss was to Manchester United in the Champions League, a game that they maybe should have won as well. Uh, you know, so this is a team that I think uh, is is gathering momentum and is probably not a team that you want to be playing uh, coming up now because, you know, we, we know Atalanta's style. We know that they're they're obviously good going forward. Obviously, defensively, this is a team that you can attack and, and probably find some some goals there, but uh, not a team that I, I think a lot of teams are going to enjoy playing against yet no, again. Not at all. I'm, I'm happy Milan played them earlier, right, before they started going on this 10-game tear because, I mean, nobody wants to play this team. The, uh, and, and they're always just that sneaky good team. I mean, like, look at the people that they're bringing off the bench. Pasolic has been one of the best players of the month in Serie A that, uh, in the month of November, they're bringing Ilicic off the bench. They're bringing Hattabor off the bench. They're bringing Luis Muriel off the bench. Like this team just has so many weapons that they don't even need to start. And and I think that's the most dangerous thing about them. You know, they're a top four team right now. They could be a top three, top two team by the end of the season. Um, yeah, Gasparini was asked about you know it was this was the hot topic after the game and interviews for for the, both the managers and the players uh, about Atalanta potentially being a, a title favorite. Gasparini threw a lot of cold water on this. He said uh, that they hadn't even been top of the table in the last few years, so he wouldn't even entertain it. 
uh, and that they they need to focus on the next game before they can worry about anything else, which I think is fair. You know, it's we I, I think coming into this year there were I think it, there was an undercurrent I think of a lot of people saying Atlanta could could win the title this year because when you just looked at the landscape of Syria with a lot of the departures and some of the the transition, especially a team we'll talk about Inter Milan. You know, it felt like Atalanta, just due to the fact that they were still going to be a pretty cohesive squad, everyone expected them to to stay together and, and probably improve. Um, obviously, a little bit of trouble water at the beginning. But, you know, we, we talked about the standings, you know, this time last year compared to, to now. And Atalanta have actually been better than last season at this stage, uh, which which may come as a surprise. So they're still playing very well. And, you know, the top of the table now is, is a lot tighter. Napoli falling out of that top spot, uh, which, which we haven't seen so far this year. And, you know, it's it's tough for them because obviously they have a pretty challenging schedule. Uh, they, they still have Leicester in uh, the Europa League this week, which is a, obviously a big match. That that group is still very undecided. Um, Empoli, you know, after that, which is which is obviously a much more breathable fixture. But then you have Milan as well, which is, which is a huge, huge game. Uh, and your January is Juventus, you know, starting off. Like, they have some big games still on the horizon here. Uh, and some of these injuries they hope clear up. Uh, and and they're they're gonna have some some better better people available. You know, it, it, so many notable. Like I gotta bring it back to you know the amount of notable names from you know the starting lineup that Napoli just did not play in this game, right? Insigne was out, Koulibaly was out, Fabian Ruiz was out. You know, Osimhen was out. You have all these guys that you know are are their go to guys. I mean, when when you have one of your, arguably your best midfielder not in the game. You you lose that structure in the middle of the field, you know, and, and Zielinski basically has to do it all. Um, Labotka went off injured as well. Yeah. Uh, early into the second half, which, which didn't help very much. It's, it's difficult, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a difficult time for Napoli. I, I don't think I'm not reading too much into this result considering all of that, but you know, when you, when you think about how tight the top is now, you, every point is going to matter. This is, this is the type of stuff where, you can tell if they're going to be a championship caliber team or not, right? When the going gets tough, are they able to still pull out results? Is the depth going to show? Are those players going to rise to the occasion when their go-to guys can't play? You know, whether it's squad rotation, injuries, whatever pops up, are they able to push through that adversity and, and come out on top? Yeah, I think the the reaction to a loss is always the most important thing for for teams that have championship aspirations in any sport, because yeah. uh, inevitably, pretty much you're gonna lose, especially in a sport like soccer where there's so many games. It's about you know, yeah, your, your response to that is, is super important. I would recommend everyone to to go watch that Demiral goal. It's it's one of my favorites of the season. Just anytime a center back goes charging into the final third and it actually ends up in a goal is a lot of fun. Uh, this one is also a lot of fun. Uh, Roma nil, Inter Milan three. Uh, this was a a a. <laughs> Dead game after 30 minutes. Uh, both teams just kind of threw their swords down and were like, all right, we're just getting out of here with our lives. Um, Inter have also been on a tear. We, we we just sung a lot of praise to Atalanta, but Inter Milan, I think, quietly even, if that's possible, have been very, very good this season uh, and are getting some consistent results as well. They've looked really, really good. Uh, this was obviously Mourinho's first league meeting against Inter, and there was some emotion wrapped up in that. Uh, I, I think he sells a lot of respect for Inter, and it, it seemed like the Inter fans as well. Uh, they, they had a, a sign that said uh, he's like the eternal 
eternal in their hearts or something like that. Uh, there's still obviously a lot of mutual respect between the two when you consider what he, he did for Inter Milan, but this uh, ended unceremoniously. They gave him absolutely no quarter in Roma. You know, they, they obviously, it's similar to Napoli. They had some, uh, you know, people out with suspension and injury, you know, most notably Tammy Abraham's out of here and, and Pellegrini isn't playing in this one. That's obviously difficult to mitigate, but there's no excuse for having one shot on target in a, in a 90 minute game. Uh, that That's kind of inexcusable. It, it needs to be better for Roma. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it, 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 it also sucks, you know, seeing your old stri- your former striker score against you. Uh, Zeko getting a goal. Which was one of my favorite goals of the weekend. If you haven't seen this, it's just beautiful link up play between uh, like four, you know, inter attackers and, just finds the perfect open space. It's it's a beautifully well-worked goal that I, I think really sums up Inter on the night and so far this season. They've been really elegant, really threatening going forward, and they're good at those those quick passes. They have the ability to, to really break teams down very, very quickly, uh, and that's that's big for them. I mean, this is, this is a team that can absolutely put up goals. We just talked about Atalanta being able to score. Inter are the best offensive output team in the league. It, it plays to Inzaghi's 3-5-2 that they run. They have six, seven guys up the field in a press most of the time, pressuring, you know, whatever team they're playing, and their back line has to try to either just clear it up and or pass out of the back, and normally that doesn't work. And as soon as they cause that turnover, like you said, a quick few passes, and next thing you know, there's a goal um, where, you know, you're seeing somebody who has been – heavily criticized over the last few years, flourish now that he's at a new team uh, in Chahanoglu, where Milan wanted to play that way, but they didn't have the personnel to play that way completely. And the way that Inter plays fits his play style so much better, right? He can find that ball in space in an unsettled situation, get his head up, find a quick pass, or shoot the ball himself. Um, You know, there are some people that have said, you know, He's the best, you know, ball striker in the league. He has some of the best technique in the league. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't, I, I may argue that. He's in but, the conversation, I think is fair. But you can see he's having one hell of a season. Again, another player that, you know, is up for player of the month this November, for November. You know, we talked about Pasolic, talked about Atalanta. We're talking about Inter. Shaw Nogli has, has been the man for Inter right now. And as much as it pains me to say that, it is scary to see, you know, they are playing very well. They're starting to get their stride and they're starting to really, you know, beat up on some teams. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me. Dom Ponteri and Harrison Cremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Yeah, and just to speak to your pressing point as well, Atalanta have the most uh, possessions won in the final third so far this season with 104, Milan with 92, and Inter with 87. Surprisingly, Hell's Verona actually with, with 84 
uh, one of the top uh, final third pressing teams. They're very happy to to take possession back uh, when they can. Um, yeah, I mean and they've it, gotten the results to show that too. They have. We'll, we'll talk about uh, Hellas Verona in a little bit, but Inter, yeah, I just don't know that they've gotten the buzz necessarily. Uh, a lot of the conversation I think has been about the race between Napoli and Milan, which is fair. Uh, I think that's that certainly dominated the first few months, um, and I think a lot of the discussion has also been about how poor Juventus have been or inconsistent or what their future is. There's there's lots to kind of dissect within Juventus, whereas Inter and Atalanta think of maybe just snuck under the radar a little bit. I think that's because Inter are obviously defending champions and Atalanta, they've been a story now for the last few years. They're no longer quite the underdog team. I think a lot there's a lot more expectation about where they should be. I, I wonder if that's the reason why these two teams maybe aren't uh, aren't as, as talked about as maybe they should. That's what I was going to say. Inter won the league last year, right? And they lost their top goal scorer. You know, they lost... They, they lost a few players. They kept lost, most of their players. Lost their manager. <laughs> yeah, you know, so like there were expectations and then when they didn't, you know, live up to, you know, they should be first or second in the league kind of deal and they fell a little bit down the table. They made their way back up. You know, it, there's not a lot of talk about it. Inter's not going to be talked about until they reach one of those top two spots. You know what I mean? Um, so maybe it's expectations. Maybe it's, you know, like you said, there's other storylines where people are focusing on, you know, Napoli was unbeaten for the longest time. Milan was unbeaten for the longest time. Juve was as low as, what, like 12th in the season. Hellas Verona is one of these teams. Sassuolo is one of these teams, you know, that they're playing really, really well. So there's a lot of other things to, you know, put focus on instead of like last year where Inter just ran away with the whole thing from week two basically so it was a little closer than that i think let's not do too much revision of uh, you know once it came february march it was very much yeah, second half of year. To lose. excuse me uh so inter have scored in each of the last 18 away league games that ties the club record going all the back way back to 1951 uh they they will put up points on you that's for sure uh they're the best scoring team in syria uh they have the the best shot on target rate per game uh, best goals per game, most big chances created, uh, and they also have the highest in XG as well. A lot of times you see maybe some of these teams in the first few months of the season perhaps overperforming a little bit. Inter, a lot of the underlying stuff, a lot of the the, the stats that you look at uh, to, to maybe see if some things are flukes or maybe there's some overperformance or underperforming, Inter have been actually this good I, they've actually been and I think that's really impressive. I think they deserve a lot of credit. So many people I think wrote them off and I think it's probably fair to do so when you consider when you lose Lukaku, you lose Hakimi, uh, you know, you lose Conte. Like, I, I think it's reasonable to have said, like, yeah, I'm not sure that this team is going to be as good. They've been every bit as good as, as they were last year. And I think Jekko uh, deserves a lot of credit for how he's played so far this year. Uh, you mentioned Chalinoglu and I, some of these signings they've made. Dumfries gets his first goal. Inter's in a, in a really good position, and uh, I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for how they've rebounded. You can have all the issues you want with the ownership, uh, but the the people making the decisions, and I think the, the manager and Zaghi deserves a lot of credit, and I think the players deserve a lot of credit for how they've performed so far this season. And one of their sneaky signings, which is actually my favorite that they did because I wish that Milan signed the kid, was uh, Joaquin Correa. Uh, sneaky, good signing, quality, quality player. And, and he scored some very decisive goals for them in a few games, and he's going to be an X factor for them moving forward. Yeah, he was involved in that build-up for the second goal, which I love so much. Yeah, Joaquin Correa, uh, a very, I think, under-recognized player coming from Lazio. Let's talk a little bit of uh, 
crazy. <laughs> the Venetian Derby, uh, Venezia three, Hellas Verona four. This was a three nil game to Venezia. Uh, some absolutely, I don't know, some of the worst mistakes I've ever seen in my life, uh, <laughs> leading to, to some of those goals. Uh, there's one where there's a miscommunication between the defender and the goalkeeper, and the attacker just kind of runs into the keeper, and it hits off his leg and just rolls into the back of the net. It's truly a, a, a very frustrating goal to watch, but Hells Verona come back with a storm in the second half, uh, score four goals unanswered, they have a red card in there as well. Uh, you know, Cecharoni, who is one of the goal scorers for Venezia, gets sent off with a red card for a handball on the goal line. And our boy, Gio Simeone, he's got 11 goals in the league. He picks up two in this one, including one of the goals of the weekend as well. Absolutely laces one, top bins, trademark, uh, to win it in the 84th minute. It's a beautiful strike from outside of the box. Uh, a lot of confidence to take it on as well, considering the moment of the game, and uh, it's essentially a, a match winner. Uh, he has been fantastic this season. Verona, I think if, you, if, if Verona's on the slate, I think you gotta, you got to watch now because they're a lot of fun. It's absurd how good Simeone's been playing, man. Um, when I... I Obviously, this wasn't a game that I was going to be watching. But when when I saw the headlines afterwards, I couldn't believe it. Um, first off, you got to credit Venezia, who haven't had the best of seasons. You know, they haven't put up a lot of goals over over the over the games they've played, and to to go to a team that is in form, playing very well against big teams, and putting three up early. I mean that that's that's big credit for them. And then you know once the once the own goal kind of happened, momentum starts to shift. And then and then the second one goes in, and then I think I think one of the the biggest turning point they made a triple substitution Venezia in, in the 66th minute, and that kind of probably just you know switched everything up. You know what I mean? You got three players coming in cold, and next thing you know, Simeone pops off and scores two goals. So uh, Verona Verona is that team. They they they're legit. They're they're a serious team. This is not a team that you you look at when when your team matches up against them and and you say this is a definite win. You know, cuz you never know what's going to happen with them. Yeah, so Venezia had to make those subs because obviously Cecharuna goes off with the red card. They got to make three subs right after to kind of reshift the team a little bit. Um, it was a crazy match. I, I, it was a lot of fun to watch. And I, I think, you know, again, there's a lot of value to be had in, in any time Verona plays because they have a habit now of being involved in some crazy games so far this season, uh, some high-scoring games as well, uh, and, and providing plenty of drama. Uh, you know, they obviously smacked Lazio a, a few weeks ago. Uh, so I, I think if, if Verona's on, on this slate, I, I think you got to give them a watch because they're they're certainly worth it. Simeone, one of the, the informed strikers, not just in Italy, but with all of Europe right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just been, just been very, very good, very, very mm-hmm. clinical so far this season. So I'm um, looking forward to, to watching more of them. Let's hop over, shall we, to good old England. West Ham 3, Chelsea 2. This is a uh, East goes or a West goes East, I should say. Uh, what a game! Here. It was it was a fantastic game. What a game! Um, obviously, a lot of implications in this one. It's another uh, top four clash. Chelsea is sitting at top of the table like they have for pretty much all of this season. Um, 
And I, I thought this was interesting because West Ham obviously seemed a little out of control for the first 20 minutes. I, I thought they, they didn't really quite find their, their flow in this game. And part of that was Chelsea really, really attacked. It was, uh, it was Ben Johnson who was playing at uh, like the wide left back because West Ham are playing this three at the back uh, situation who just got absolutely brutalized so much in that first half. I almost wonder if that injury that he goes off with is, is related to that. And the savior of the game, Masuaku, comes on in his stead uh, after the, the Mason Mount fantastic volley, by the way. One of the, one of the best goals of the weekend as well. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. But yeah, I mean, this is a game that's defined by another Jorginho mistake. He had one against Manchester United. Uh, something has gone horribly wrong for him mentally since his third place Ballon d'Or voting. I uh, wonder if that's guilt catching up with him for somehow cheesing his way to that third spot. Um I mean, he's he's done a lot of bad things. He's he's missed yes. that penalty for Italy that could very much cost them their World Cup qualification. Uh, that mistake yes. and within this game, he did that thing where the midfielder gets fouled, and they pick up the ball or they they grab the ball while they're on the ground to kind of call their own foul, and the referee was like, "No," uh, and he got a yellow <laughs> card for it. And he was very incensed. Uh, just sort of lost it today. It, well, not today, but in this game. And, uh, he obviously plays the back pass to Edward Mendy that puts him under a lot of pressure from Jared Bowen. He fouls Jared Bowen and forces a penalty, which was you know, one of the turning points in the game for sure. And Edward Mendy himself also not super composed in this game. Well, I don't know. I don't know what that positioning was on, on the game winning goal. Uh, the, uh, the ball's I, on the left side. To be fair to Mendy, he's, I he's do not think... He's overplaying the cross, and... and okay, there's only one option in that moment, listen, Tom. Yes, no one is shooting from that there. Angle. But, like, like, how, like, how far he was out of the goal was kind of nuts. Like, the way... When you when you look at it from that angle, like, right near Masuaku, uh, like, it, it looked like he was trying to play defense on a specific play. Like, he was marking somebody instead. And and you know credit credit to credit to Masuaku for noticing that and kind of just like, do you think not according to Masuaku's own tweet? He said he was just as surprised as we were. So I have to believe that means he did not mean that whatsoever. He meant to cross it; it just did not hit him. He mishit it. He fully mishit that. Um, This for Chelsea is is maybe a a little worrying. Uh, Obviously, Ben Chilwell is out with with a knee injury. Mark Salanta replaces him today. They're missing Ngolo Kante still and. Worryingly, uh, every time I've tried to look into his injury, there's no timetable. Uh, Tuchel said that he doesn't really have news on him. Uh, Kovacic is out for still another few weeks, if not a, a month and a half or so. Um, they do quietly have some injury issues now, Chelsea. You know, Lukaku just worked his way back from injury, uh, comes off the bench for this one, not effective at all. Kai Havertz, not as effective as you'd like in that, that number nine position that he started in. Um, Maybe a little worried for Chelsea if if they can't kind of find their rhythm again because you know they they beat Watford but uh, Tuchel actually called that his uh, their worst performance of the season so far and it, it wasn't a very good game when they played against Watford uh, last time out and this was not the response that you'd be hoping for exactly um, 
I think a lot of credit has to go to West Ham and how they've played, though. I mean, this is not the first time they beat Liverpool by the same scoreline. Uh, they beat both Manchester clubs in the League Cup. Uh, they've they have a habit of, of beating you know the top teams, and that's because they are a top team this year. They've they've been that good, and I, I think they deserve a lot of credit. Jared Bowen had an absolutely fantastic game. He was on it from really the first minute. Um, Chelsea had been unbeaten in their last forty eight league games when ahead at half before this, which I thought was just a staggering kind of uh, number to find Wait, yourself what, what at. Was the stat? Chelsea had been unbeaten in 48 league games when they were ahead at halftime before this. They were up 2-1 going in a half. In the last 40, 48 times they did that, they have not lost. They had not lost a halftime lead. That's nutty. That is nutty. And, and West Ham, uh, I, I think, deserved on the day. I, I thought they had enough chances. This was definitely a, a very, very entertaining match. So much of these like top clashes haven't really uh, delivered. Funnily enough, West Ham has been a part of qu- quite a few of them. Um, but yeah, for Chelsea, I think the injuries are a big worry going forward. And uh, again, finding you know the the big issue with them is their their scoring. I know they scored two goals in this game, but you know one is off a set piece from a defender, which has been you know, a lot of their criticism. And one is an absolute wonder goal by Mason Mount, which I would not say is exactly replicable or something, something you can, you can count. count. Yeah, you can always count on a huge like switch from Ziyech over to Mason Mount to just side foot it near post. Uh, you can always count on those those goals. They're very, very, very common. Um, so yeah, Chelsea deposed as, as leaders. Uh, Liverpool, you know, last minute winner against Wolves to, to get that top spot. And then Manchester City took it away when they beat Watford later that day. So Manchester City, your new uh, top of the table in, in England, uh, which is obviously, we've seen that a lot over the years. Uh, and we've seen Manchester City go on huge winning streaks. You almost wonder if they relinquish this, you know, now. Uh, that's, it, that's why it's so worrying for Chelsea, you know. Uh, not only did they lose their place to Liverpool, but they also lost it to City. And these are two teams that can go on runs, go on unbeaten streaks, and really, you know, make some distance bef- between them and the teams below them. Um, especially with uh, when you're talking about a team that's struggling to, you know, find the net on a consistent basis. Some of their, you know, bigger name players that they count on for goals are not scoring. Yes, Lukaku has been injured, but, you know, that's one of the things you've been seeing online. You know, a lot of Chelsea fans online have been criticizing Lukaku and talking about how ineffective he's been and, and this and that. And, you know, we signed him for this match. He should go back to Italy and, and it, it, you know, it's it, it it's a tough time. You know, will they turn it around because West Ham's knocking on the door, you know, below them? Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I would be surprised if they don't turn it around. But I just think, listen, this title is going to come down to one, two points. It seems like it seems like it's going to be a tight race all the way through. Well, how, between how many teams? Well, that's that's one of the issues, of course, is it's very rare to have. We've mentioned this all year. It's very rare to have a three horse race. Here's the issue for Chelsea. Manchester City and Liverpool have done this exact story before. They've played this out three seasons already, where there's one season, obviously, in 1920, where they're both at each other's throat for the entire season. It's one of the most spectacular title races we've had, considering the level that those two teams played at the entire season. And as a Liverpool fan, it was especially uncomfortable and hurtful because Manchester City didn't drop a single point for three months at the end of that season to win the title and close it out. And Liverpool came back to sit in the next season and didn't lose a game until February. Like, <laughs> you know, like and that both of these teams are still capable of doing that. Yeah. 
You could, I, honestly, hands down, you could tell me right now, Manchester City does not, doesn't drop more than five points for the rest of the season. I wouldn't be shocked by that. Like no. we've, in fact, no. we've seen them do something like that already. In it's, you know, there's precedent for them doing stuff like that. And Liverpool, the same, can go on on big runs. They haven't quite put together like the long, long runs that Manchester City have. But Liverpool are just as capable. These two teams and, and their cores are still very much there. It's not like these are just completely reshaped. You know, Liverpool's entire starting eleven practically were, were parts of those runs, and Manchester City still very much the same team. So. For Chelsea, they don't have that experience. They haven't had the experience of, of not dropping a point for several months at a time uh, to ensure that they get that title. I'm not saying they're going to drop out of this front three, but you know, if you're thinking about going forward, who maybe does drop out, could be them. But Liverpool have also been you know suspect defensively so far this season. They've given away a lot of cheap chances. Um, who knows? I, I, I just think that you can't afford any ground given up. You know, we, we've seen these totals get decided by so little. We've seen them get decided by goal differential. You, you, you have to treat every game like a cup final. It's very cliche, but it's just the truth. Uh, speaking of cup finals, a man who knows all about them was in charge for Aston Villa against Leicester City. Steven Gerrard's boys, two. Leicester City, one. Yes, I found a way to talk about Stevie G on the pod. I'm so happy. Uh, this does this deserved its own feature, though, because it was a fantastic game, and it's part of uh, Gerrard's, obviously, new manager bounce. Three games and a loss. That loss coming against Manchester City, but uh, the, the games that you expect them to be a, a part of and winning, they did. Um, and Leicester City, I think this is more, you know, more the angle that I'm taking, that they just... This is another really loose defensive performance from them. Obviously missing Yuri Tillemans again, and that's obviously an issue. Jamie Vardy couldn't play in this game. Some slight injury thing needed to be rested. Uh, you get Pat Sandaka, who I've been asking where he's been at a lot this season. I, I think he deserves a lot more play than he's gotten. Looks pretty good. Gets a, a pretty good assist uh, to Harvey Barnes, who I also thought was spectacular. I love watching Harvey Barnes play. But defensively, Leicester are not what they were. And that's worrying because it isn't exactly a young backline. So Yoncho is, but Johnny Evans is obviously a very experienced player, but has not looked his his self. I I, I would say the bones um, are creaking. Yes, and they're very bad on set pieces. And Aston Villa, I wrote this. Aston Villa good on set pieces. Leicester City bad on set pieces. This not good for Leicester. <laughs> um, when I write very quickly, I just just remove a lot of grammar from my in. words and, uh, and just write <laughs> it's <down>. not good. <laughs> well, that's just, if you're actually like, if you want to know what my racing thoughts are like, that's what they are. It's just, I think very, very quickly uh, when I'm trying to write down notes and stuff like that. But yeah, Lester, I, I think, you know, I went back and looked last year at some of their numbers. And so last year they were averaging 1.3 goals against per game. Uh, this year it's 1.8 and that's 17th in the league, by the way, they're averaging 1.8 goals per game against. That's just not, not a good spot to find yourself in. Uh, last year, they were scoring 1.8 goals per game. This year, it's down to 1.5. Uh, that's obviously a, a pretty steep drop-off. Uh, you know, Jamie Vardy hasn't quite been at it this year, which which is an issue. Uh, part of that has been James Madison struggling through injury a bit. Harvey Barnes working his way back from one. He's looked good. He looked fantastic in this game. Uh, and accurate passes per game. 423 last year, down to 375 this year. Now, I, I, I want to look deeper into that on, on my own time to see if that's maybe a tactic or a play style thing, but the fact that you're, you're 50 less passes almost, uh, accurate passes, that's 
that's quite a worrying stat because that's not a, a nothing to me. That's that seems pretty steep uh, decline in in where you're going and how your midfield is possibly performing, or maybe even a fullback situation. So I'd like to look a little deeper into that. But Leicester, not what they were last year. Uh, having obviously a really, really tough time of it. You have to wonder almost too if Brendan Rodgers, he's been linked so much to a lot of these other jobs. He was linked a lot to Manchester United, which by the way, he did absolutely nothing to shoot down. He just said it was uh, very, very rude to ask that question when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was still in charge. But Dom, what's, what's your take on Leicester so far? Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's a little worrisome. Uh, I agree with the back line. It's not the, it's not the best. You can't have a lot of confidence, uh, especially when your top midfielder is out. Um, and then, you know, you're basically expecting Madison to have a good game week in and week out. Um, and, you know, like you said, he's been struggling through some injury stuff. You know, he had a he had a good week last week, but you know, just wasn't wasn't it. When he doesn't have that help behind him, it kind of it kind of hurts. It's when they're playing that four two three one. The double pivots are so so important. And um, uh, I agree that Daka needs a little bit more. He, I mean, he's been spectacular for them in games in the in the Europa League. Um, you know, I, I want to see more of that in the Prem. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's a little worrisome. Hopefully, hopefully they turn it around because <laughs> it's, it's, it's not what you want to see from a team like Leicester. Yeah. Leicester, I, I think I've have a lot of work to do and obviously Europa League hasn't helped. I, I think, you know, they, they've obviously had a, a difficult group and, you know, they're, they're another team like Napoli that are fighting to get out of it for Aston Villa, you know, Gerard has is, is genuinely improved this team, I think, a little bit. I think especially defensively, they looked a lot better. Going forward, they looked a lot better. They switched to this 4-3-3. Uh, he's got, uh, you know, people moving a little more forward. Like, yeah, Buendia is playing a little more advanced now on the wing, which I think is a, is a good decision. Uh, Jack Ramsey, you know, one of their youth prospects, was actually playing as a winger in this game a little bit more forward. Uh, got a goal that I thought should have stood. Uh, it ended up getting uh, taken back because... Casper Schmeichel had like a fingertip on it for a quarter of a second. Uh, it was a judge to be in his control as a result. But yeah, I think Aston Villa looking a lot better. Uh, they obviously roll into a big matchup with Liverpool coming up, uh, which is <laughs> which is going to be a lot of fun. But for Villa, it's important, obviously, that they they got the things turning a little bit better because they were they were uh, they're a better team than than where they were now. Obviously, they've worked their way up to tenth. Uh, as, as a part of this bounce and, and looking just in a, a much, much better position, much more improved uh, than than where they were under Dean they, Smith. Who... Sorry, I, I didn't know if you were done your... <laughs> they, have a, they have a very decent back line. You know what I mean? Um, 
Kansa and Mings, uh, Mings up and coming English talent. Uh, they've got Matty Cash, who is not English anymore, apparently. Uh, he's uh, he's Polish. Uh, Emmy, you gotta love you gotta love Emmy and that. Uh, and then and you know uh, the meatball in the midfield is 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 my favorite guy to to, to watch right now. Uh, big man John McGinn. Uh, this is, but, but like, like you said, Jared has, Jared has a decent team at his hands and, and, you know, he's, he seems to be turning them around. I'm happy. I'm, I'm interested to see where they'll, where they'll go with the rest of the season. Yeah. I I'm looking forward to it. Villa, obviously they draw Manchester United in the FA cup, uh, in the, <laughs> in the round coming up in January. Not great. Liverpool get Shrewsbury. Nice for them. Nice. Uh, <laughs> It's about time, is all I'll say. Let's look ahead because we have Champions League, and uh, there's some things to be settled. Quite a bit is already known. Uh, you know, we already know that some teams are, you know, the exact order. Um, for example, Manchester City are going through as, as winners of the group. PSG will be going through a second. Uh, Leipzig even are going into the Europa League, uh, unless something crazy happens. But, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot there. You know, like to to talk as much about obviously Leipzig could drop out, but it just takes some extra circumstance. Really, the action I think that a lot of people are going to be looking at, and I know these two fellows, uh, mainly you on the other line, are going to be paying a lot more attention to. I'm going to be kicking back and watching. I don't know Charlie Morton and uh, Minamino link up for their fourth goal of the night. Uh, <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Group B is is obviously the one where there's there's a lot to look forward to in in terms of who can go through and who can't. Uh, this is from the UEFA.com website in terms of scenarios. I just wanted to get the official ruling. So Liverpool are through uh, to the round of 16 as group winners. They, you know, they're just simply playing for prize money and uh, to say they went undefeated in the group of death, which I think would be hilarious. Porto will go through if they win or if they draw, and Milan do not win. Uh, Porto obviously playing Atletico Madrid. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot on the line there. Atletico will go through if they win, and Milan do not. Milan will go through if they win and the other game is drawn. So Milan need a, the, the most help out of all of this. I'll say this. Atletico are, are down another center back. Kondogbia might have to play center back uh, tomorrow, which could be good, you know, for, for, for Milan's fortunes at least. Um, I It seems like Liverpool are going to rotate. Klopp said that the uh, medical staff would beat him if they uh, if he played the same team that he played over the weekend. Uh, they definitely could use some rest and rotation. So we know that there's going to be be some guys that uh, you know are, are, may not even make the flight to Milan. You know that, that may just stay home. But uh, it is going to be a rotated side for Milan, and and they need the most help. It's not Milan, unbelievable. Milan also don't have like eight players available for this game. Most notably, Teo Hernandez. Benacer is not there. Giroud won't be playing. Rafael Leal uh, also picked up yeah, a hamstring Leal injury. Is out. I, I thought think, Teo, there's a chance that Teo plays. I thought um, he was rested over the weekend so that he had a chance at playing. From what I've read today so far, it's still being speculated that he's not going to be available. I mean, Rebic isn't available, I think. Um it, it was it was a very funny tweet I saw today. Somebody was watching the live feed from the Milan training uh, for today, and there were four players on the screen. And they were like, there you go. That <laughs> sums it up. <laughs> so I think it, it, it kind of evens out just a little bit, even with the rotated squad uh, that Liverpool may be doing. So um, 
God is going to need to move mountains uh, for for this to work out in Milan's favor. To be honest with you, take a coin to the Trevi Fountain, why don't you, and yeah. uh, and toss one in? Because let me, let me hop Milan on the next needed. flight. <laughs> let me hop on the next flight and let me get there. Because uh, Group <laughs> C is already figured out. Ajax are going through as group winners. Uh, Sporting Club de Portugal are going through as the runners up. Dortmund are going down to the Europa League. Uh, Besiktas are finishing fourth. Not much there, again, outside of pride and maybe some young guys getting a, getting a chance to play. Group D, uh, Real Madrid and Inter Milan. Uh, the winner of this uh, will win the group. Uh, if it's a draw, Madrid will, will obviously take that. But uh, Inter could go, f- go through top of the group. That would be good for them. I think this is only interesting from the perspective of if your favorite team is, you know, if you're looking at future matchups and maybe you'd rather have Inter as the second team that you might get matched up with, or if you'd rather have Madrid, I don't know who would prefer to have Real Madrid <laughs> uh, considering how they've looked a lot um, and the black magic that they seem to have in Champions League knockout stages. Uh, Sheriff Tiraspol will go into the, the Europa League. Uh, Shout out to them. Good for them. Uh, Shakhtar will finish fourth. This group largely decided, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> group E has also some drama in it. Bayern are through as as winners. They they really don't have much to play for. But Barcelona will go through if they win, or if Benfica do not win. Uh, Benfica playing Dynamo Kiev. Barcelona kind of need to go to Munich and win. I you know I know that again you know there's obviously the chance that Benfica blow it themselves, but uh, Barcelona are, are in search of a win. They didn't have a good result over the weekend, losing to Betis and. Uh, I'm not sold on them going to Munich and winning. I think that's a that's a big ask it's this early a, in Xavi's career. Yeah, it's been a rough spell early on for Xavi. Um, you know, I would like to see them go through. It would be crazy not to see them go through. It would be interesting to see Barcelona in the Europa League. That's for sure. Benfica will go through if they win and Barcelona do not win, of course. Uh, Benfica, they certainly have a chance. They, they could have this all wrapped up if Seferic maybe just, I don't know. Put it in the net. <laughs> uh, group F, Manchester United are already through as group winners. Villarreal will go through if they avoid defeat. They play Atalanta. Atalanta will go through if they win. They will finish third if they draw. Um, young boys, they can't finish in the top two, but they can finish third and go to the Europa League if they win and Atalanta lose. So there's, there is some movement here. Uh, it's not quite the free-flowing that we want, but Atalanta, essentially Atalanta, Villarreal, uh, just need to beat each other to be able to secure their spot to the, the knockout stages, and then we'll see what happens. Like you said, nobody wants to play Atalanta right now. It's going to be a tough one for Villarreal. That is that is going to be a genuinely uh, difficult game, I think. Uh, and, and Atalanta are home for that, I believe, as well, which is going to add to the challenge, I would say, for Villarreal. Uh, group G, this has been just one of the, the tightest groups, uh, and I think it's the only one that has... Every team is still alive going into the uh, to the last day. You've got Lille, Salzburg, Sevilla, and Wolfsburg. This one's this one's quite a open up your ears and, and get your context on. Uh, Lille will go through if they avoid defeat. They will finish first if they win or if they draw. And Salzburg do not win. Essentially, Lille just just can't lose, and, and they'll be going through. Maybe not as winners, but very very likely that Lille advances from this group, uh, considering their position. Salzburg will go through if they avoid defeat. They will finish first if they win and Lille do not. Uh, Salzburg are playing Sevilla, whereas Wolfsburg are playing Lille. So, you know, that, that's that's going to be an interesting matchup here. Sevilla will go through if they win. They will finish first if they win and Lille lose. And Wolfsburg will go through if they win. They will finish first if they win and the other game is drawn. So, 
every team needs to, every team needs to win. I know that's a lot of uh, that's why I said to open up your ears and get ready for some permutations. But uh, <laughs> um, every team needs to win in this group, and everything can be decided. Uh, which I think is exciting, you know, just within, you know, 10 minutes, we, we can we can have different teams dropping in and out. If you're watching, you know, in America on uh, Paramount and on the Galazzo show, I think this will be one of the highlighted groups for sure because just so much can happen and change just with a goal on this one. And really, I, I, if I'm being honest, this is the group that everyone's going to look at every year. There's a group, especially like there's usually a winner and a runner-up out of a group that you really, everyone is looking at and eyeing up as they're, they're around to 16 matchups. I don't want to disrespect any of these teams, but I have to feel that everyone is going to be looking, especially at the second place or first place team in this and thinking I'd like to be drawn against Salzburg, Lille, Sevilla, or Wolfsburg uh, compared to Real Madrid or, you know, Manchester United or Liverpool, whoever. Um, There's a lot to play for. (laughs) AC Milan. I would love, yeah, I'd love it if AC Milan were in, in the knockout stages. Group H, this one again, uh, a little bit, a little bit tiring, but there is something to play for still. Chelsea are through to the round of sixteen, not as winners yet. They'll finish first if they win, if they draw, and Juventus do not win, or if Juventus lose. So, very much in uh, Chelsea's control what happens in terms of them winning as a result of their big win over Juventus. Juventus, you know, and Chelsea are already through to the round of sixteen. It's just about who finishes top of the group, which could become important, of course. Uh, we know that a lot of the English teams are, are going to be finishing top of their group. We already know that Manchester United, Manchester City, and Liverpool will. Chelsea very much could as well. Uh, and that obviously, you know, lessens the uh, if Chelsea dropped to second. You know, that's three teams that you can't be drawn against in that first round, which really improves your odds of playing Bayern Munich, let's say. <laughs> um, that's not something I think a lot of teams want to do in the round of 16. Uh, Juventus are through the round of 16 already. They will finish first if they win and Chelsea do not, or if Juventus draw and Chelsea lose. Um, I'm not sure I see Chelsea losing to Zenit, but it is a way to St. Petersburg. You never know. Uh, Juventus get Malmo. I would say pretty fair to to call that the easier matchup in, in this one. Dom, are we um, look, how much are we looking forward to these Champions League games? These like from this specific. Group? I'm talking in general, and I'm not. I'm not talking Milan here. I'm just talking no, the no, other no, games. No. Yeah, because I was. I was going to talk some trash about Juventus, but um, no. In, in general, yeah. It, I mean, Group G is definitely extremely exciting. I'll probably have some of those games on. Um, they play Wednesday, right? Yes. Got a half day on Wednesday. I'm gonna definitely have the games on. Uh, I'm gonna be enjoying that. Um, uh, I'm definitely going to pay attention to that Barcelona game. Um, like you said, it would be interesting to see them in the Europa League, but Barcelona is a team you expect to see in the Champions League. Um, so I, I'm going to be rooting for them against Bayern, uh, see if they go through. Uh, most of this is all done and dusted, really. The only stuff that interests me is the stuff where, you know, things can change, you know, drastically. You know, there's a where there's multiple cha- uh, teams in, in favor of, potentially going through um you know where my heart lies uh <laughs> don't know how that's going to do so i may i may have to jump on the bandwagon for one of these group g teams uh <laughs> moving forward hey but hey let me get this little dig in real quick uh you know after juventus beat genoa 2-0 today and they moved up into fifth place you know their fans are saying that you know they're going all the way in the champions league now they're looking good 
So uh, the the Shevchenko led Genoa, who have not scored since he's taken yeah. over. That's Agent Sheva, dude. <laughs> not a good start to life uh, in Genoa, I would say, for poor Mister Shevchenko. He's seen better days. Uh, what do you think is worse for him? Uh, not scoring in these first four games, or not scoring that decisive penalty in Istanbul? Hey, you, you, you have to get it digging, huh? You have to get it digging. I'm very much looking forward to Liverpool Milan. Uh, my cat has a vet appointment, uh, but they do this cool thing with COVID where they just take your pet inside and you just sit in your car and wait for a phone call. So I will be watching Liverpool Milan from the comfort of my car in the vet parking lot tomorrow afternoon. Uh, very much looking forward what to time that. Is that, game? Uh, that is at our three. Time. That is three our time. I don't know what that in England, what that's eight o'clock. I'll just be getting out of a meeting, so I'll have it playing on my drive home. Look at that. Uh, hopefully, it'll <laughs> the game does not go in a way which forces you to speed or uh, thus swerve out of control and anger. Maybe yeah, in excitement, just, but know, maybe drive yeah. safely. <laughs> I'll be I'll be in traffic on like one thirty, like sitting at a red light, Milan score, and I'm like, yes, let's go. Yeah. People looking at me all weird. It's like those uh, those old vines of people rocking out in their car and singing real loud, except it's you punching your steering wheel because Mo Salah is starting for some reason and just scored a first half hat trick. Uh, he is on the plane to Milan, Mo Salah. I saw, I saw a picture of him uh, next to Simikas uh, on the private jet. So uh, he's at least making the trip. I would be shocked if he starts or even sees much of this game at all. It would all. be some elite shithousery if Milan's up a goal with like 10 minutes left and Klopp just puts on Salah and Salah gets a game time goal that forces Milan out. What's well, it's funny because this could be Liverpool's <laughs> first time at the same series as, as well. Uh, and Klopp, I, I don't think it had been there either. It's, it's strangely for being such an iconic ground, one that has not been uh, traveled yet by Liverpool of who have seemingly been everywhere in Europe and, and vice versa for Milan going to Anfield. I mean, it's just, it's very bizarre. You know, obviously there's such a history between these two clubs, despite, I mean, I say despite only playing in two Champions League finals as if that isn't enough history, but you would think there's more to it. And especially considering, you know, Istanbul 16 years ago, uh, Athens is 14 years ago. Like it's just not very recent history either. There's so much has changed since then, yet there's still this kind of, I would say it's devolved into a friendliness. I would not say it's uh I think even at the time I would not call it hostile or anything like that. Um, I think there was great respect between the clubs. Two of Europe's best. I'm not just saying that because you're my friend and you're you're a Milan Champions fan. Champions League DNA. <laughs> but if you're being honest, these are the two clubs I think with the most Champions League DNA. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Liverpool for whatever reason, uh have always had a love affair with the European Cup in Milan dominated it uh you know whenever they want it they they certainly did it in fantastic fashion uh is it seven times seven third third most third or second no second most second most no one's getting close to real madrid's 13 (laughs) i don't think anyone's touching that for i don't know at least 50 years Uh, a lot of a lot of of black magic maybe when these teams eventually uh f off and do that super league that they're constantly stroking about uh (laughs) someone will catch up the real madrid's numbers uh dom do you have any any parting words anything you'd like to plug twitch follow me on twitch uh twitch.tv slash a hairy ape uh twitter is uh at wash lifestyle um and uh pl- follow me on instagram on my uh my cooking account if you want to get some cool recipes see some good food being made uh that's called at underscore kitchen dm 
We've got some content coming for you guys on that one. Good to hear them. Uh, I'll be looking for these Champions League games and, and the weekend slate of games coming up. Just some news that I, I just saw. Spurs apparently have a COVID outbreak within their team. Uh, so that's obviously big news going into a very important Europa Conference League uh, decisive game this Thursday. Uh, so obviously by the time you're listening to this, you'll know much more about it than we do in the moment. But I believe it's about six players currently. that are do, we, be- do we know which players? Uh, so I believe not definitive, but it was uh, I want to say Sun, uh, <laughs> who I, right? Uh, <laughs> let me let me get the list here. Jesus, that's all you gotta say. <laughs> yeah, apparently six Tottenham players. Now again, these are not definitive, but uh, Brian Hill, uh, Emerson, and who else? Uh, Romero, Ooh. Lucas, Ooh. and Davies. So no Sun. No sun, it seems, um, which is obviously difficult. Uh, Romero is out with injury, so not as you know, not that COVID isn't important, but you know, when you consider him being absent, he's already absent through injury. Nothing added there, but something to keep your eye on, something something to worry about. Uh, Ivan Tony was out for Brentford with COVID. It's a thing we got to focus on. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a thing we got to worry about. The Union got absolutely shafted with <laughs> with COVID protocol over the weekend. Uh, it's something you, you need to keep your eye on whenever you hear this news because it can certainly change how we view games but until then I, I hope everyone stays safe happy and healthy it's the yuletide season don't forget to have some cheer in your life i know it's not always easy this time of year but you know what enjoy some lights and some hot chocolate on me until then i hope you have a great one